Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by... Let's talk truth. When buying a car, we all want a great deal. Yet it's possible you could pay thousands more for the same car as your neighbor. That's why TrueCar provides upfront pricing information and a network of TrueCar certified dealers that guarantee savings without negotiation. Now, if someone paid too much for their car, well, it won't be you. So, when buying a car, get guaranteed savings. Visit TrueCar.com. You know why I pulled you over, ma'am? I need you to recalibrate the Doppler shift on the return signal. Radar's on the frisk. Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week, where we're talking all about the North American Car of the Year Award. And we're doing that because I've got two of my fellow jurors. Carl Brower is with TotalCarscore.com, and Mark Phelan is with the Detroit Free Press, and great having the both of you here. You. Now, now, we should explain to the audience, we are jury members of a 50-member jury from men and women all across the United States and Canada, all journalists, all different types of journalists, print and broadcast and internet and what have you. And we start out with all the new cars that have been introduced so far this year, and we whittle it down to what we think is the car of the year. But there's three finalists. And the finalists are the Cadillac ATS, the Ford Fusion, and the Honda Accord. Mark, I'm gonna start with you. Let's start talking with the Cadillac ATS. Uh, it's a remarkable car. I, I did not believe that Cadillac could build a car that could go head to head, absolutely power size everything with the BMW 3 Series and compete. And, and they've done it, they've got the fuel efficiency, they've got the technology, they've got the performance. You could make an argument that it's a better car than the 3 Series, which would just be a landmark for Cadillac. And we should say, the 3 Series really is the iconic car in that class. It's the benchmark. It dominates sales globally, not just here in the United States. So for Cadillac to even be within talking range of the 3 Series is really something. But do you see it that way, Carl? No, I, I feel the same way. I, I was stunned when I drove the car at its uh, press launch, and I was fortunate that I was in a um, G Infiniti G37 right before the launch. I drove it to the airport and dropped it off as I flew to the launch, and I got into a 3 Series when I got back from the press launch. I did that on purpose because I wanted to really you know, see what this new Cadillac was going to do against these benchmark kind of performance cars. And you know, I think a lot of people would feel, would admit that, if the 3 Series is the icon, one of the cars that's come you know, shockingly close to, to being as good in recent years was the Infiniti. The G you know, really went after them with the rear drive and the, and the very capable And V6 good looks. And very attractive looking car and it had great dynamics. So I thought if, if the Cadillac is just somewhere in this realm with these, three, with these other two cars, that'll be a great story for Cadillac. And I got back and I shot all the photos, drove them all basically back to back, and pronounced the ATS the best of the three. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I've liked a number of other Cadillacs out there. The CTS in particular, which I have always considered a world-class car, but heavy. You know, GM has designed great products up to now, but boy, they weigh four or five hundred pounds heavier than anything else that they're competing against, and that hurts fuel economy and handling. So when I saw the ATS, 
It's what about 136 pounds. Uh, 200 for most models. Uh, for, yeah, but of the best BMW 3 Series, it's still about 130. Let's it's call it pounds lighter. Yeah. Lighter. But what I was really impressed by is they just didn't throw a bunch of carbon fiber and aluminum in there. There is aluminum, but it was from the design. They engineered this thing so well. You know what they talk about is straight lines. So the the force paths from the suspension into the chassis, it's all done in a straight line because they said, if, if you have to bend something there, well, now you have to put a bracket, a gusset, and that's how you start to add weight to this thing. So they started with a clean sheet. They came up with the lightest car in its class, and that's a key reason why it handles so well and gets such good fuel economy. So I, I was really impressed by that. And they say that engineering approach is going to shape what they do with their other models going forward. And if this is the first of what turned out to be many cars where GM is among the lightest in its segment, that makes it an even more important vehicle. Exactly, because that means not only is this a good car, it's hopefully a transformational signal of what's changing at GM, of not just coming up with good cars, but coming up with good cars that don't have all this extra weight on them as well. Yeah, it's a real harbinger, and, and you know that's where you'll often see engineering is you know expressed is the weight of a car and all i think you know uh you know the 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 hyundai and kia products have come a long way in the last 10 years but i think i remember distinctly you know 10 years ago you'd get in like the the kia sedona which i remember being impressed with how good the minivan was at the time and what value you got in it but then you looked at the curb weight versus you know the equivalent town and country or the uh, the odyssey and all and it was hundreds of pounds heavier and it was like okay that's how they're saving some of that money is there's some there's some metal and some and some research you know engineering research that didn't go into this car and that's where they're saving some money but you can't do that now with the with the fuel economy requirements everyone's got to get lighter it's kind of a race to see who can come up with the best light cars now and as BMW has proven for decades light also equals performance and handling Let's talk about the interior of the Cadillac, specifically the Q system, their electronic infotainment interface. Cadillac's been bragging to the world about it. It's gotten some criticism. How did you guys find it? I, I think it's amazing. I mean, I was thrilled with it, playing around with it again on the press trip. I think they're brilliant to come up with this um, haptic feedback system. Where when Explain you, that a little bit. Well, when you push something on the screen, it there's this slight vibration to the actual screen under your finger. That lets you know that you've successfully pushed the button, the virtual button, versus having a click that's on a button, or in most of these modern systems, a beep. Most of them use beeps, and Cadillac was wise enough to figure out, you know, after about the 180th time you've heard that same beep, <laughs> beep, 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 starts to get old, goes away with the Q. It's just, you know you're doing stuff, and you know it's working, and you're not hearing it every time. Mark, what do you think of Q? I love it, and, and as well as the, the feedback, which is a great innovation that I think we're going to see other people use, there's the touch screen that you can just swipe back and forth like your iPad, and I was wondering how difficult that would be until I saw my 89-year-old mother using her new iPad, and that's technology <laughs> that people can really figure out fast. And, and I think we also have to give a shout out to their voice recognition. I mean, GM and Cadillac in, in this case have probably gone from being nowhere in voice recognition to being at the front of the pack. I and mean, it, it's very simple. You don't have to memorize a lot of com complicated, complicated commands. You just say, call John, and it calls John. And that's, that's a real help. I, I love uh, having voice interaction with the car, especially when you're trying to put an address into the navigation system. Instead of trying to twist a knob or push all these buttons, just read the, uh, the, the address into the system and boom, it's done. So. As long as it works. It's, it's the, it's the, you know, it swings quickly. As soon as you get voice commands that don't work, 
that's worse than using yeah. that because at least that's working and also if but if it when it works it basically frees you up to do things like concentrate on the on the road without having to worry about all these buttons and knobs. Okay, alphabetically, let's go down the list to the next finalist, the Ford Fusion. Carl, what do you make? You know, the Fusion was really a tough call for me. I, I think uh, a few weeks ago, I would have said that that was the likely winner of the, the, whole, the whole thing because of how well executed it is in terms of its uh, appearance, its attractive exterior, its driving dynamics, its, its breadth of... Um, drivetrain options, and technology. I mean, you can load that thing up with a lot of the same technology that you'd have to go to a premium brand to get in other, thing, in other, uh, in, in other companies. You know, safety technology that's very advanced. There were two things in, in recent weeks that hurt the car for me. One was the recall issues. You know, it, 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 it kept hearing about recalls. And, you know, John, I don't mind, you know, recalls on, on cars too much if there's one or two and they're talking about, you know, oh, well, the airbag sensor might not work right or the suspension piece needs to be adjusted, you know. But when, when you hear, stop driving your car, it might catch on fire, that's a pretty bad recall. I don't like to hear that from a car. And I actually had a test fusion when that recall hit. And I'm thinking to myself, so should I not drive this thing? Am I supposed to call my Ford dealer and say and tell him I've got a car that might catch on fire? Come get it from me, you know. So that that hurt it. And the other thing was is that I drove that car back to back with the, the other car that we haven't gotten to yet on the finalist list, the Honda Accord. And when you drive it back to back, you realize that the Fusion is very light and nimble and feels very dynamic, but it also doesn't feel quite as solid. And that 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 seeping quality, that quality that seeps through a lot of the Honda products, especially the newer ones where they're kind of coming, you know, they're getting real strong on their cars again. I think all of us would agree they kind of had some catch-up to do, but that new Accord feels so solid and so strong. And I made sure I had them back-to-back because -back I knew it was going to take that kind of immediate, you know, same road driving experience to realize it. And it confirmed it for me. It's like, you know what, this Accord's got a little more quality coming through it as I drive it versus mm -hmm. the Fusion. The Fusion mm -hmm. is this fabulous car. The Accord feels a little just a little meatier, a little more solid. Mark, how do you see it? Well, first of all, there were four terrific midsize sedans that came out this year. And, and I think they have all sort of canceled each other out. The, the Fusion, the Accord, the Nissan Altima, and the Chevy Malibu. Any of them, if they had been the only new midsize sedan, they could conceivably be the favorite. But I have to say, the Fusion didn't get any points from me as, as you know, one, of, one of my finalists because I was troubled by, by the, uh, uh, the, the recalls. I think we were just talking about voice recognition for Cadillac. I think Ford, which started out with the best voice recognition in the business with Sync, they've been losing ground. And theirs has become less competitive. And you know, just in general, the, the Fusion didn't feel quite as sorted out to me in, in terms of you know, how all of the pieces worked together as a couple of the other midsize sedans. So it's, it's a good car. It's a gorgeous car. It's a very technically advanced car. But it's not you know, a, a threat to be the best car of the year, for, to my mind. See, I, I love the Fusion. I, I love the looks of the car. It, it's the most handsome car of the class of cars that we've just been talking about. The interior, sensationally done. Much better than the Accord, I, I think, in my, in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Accord's got lots of backroom space. Mm -hmm. So does the, the Nissan Altima, by the way, and we'll have to get to that car, too. The, the, the two things that shot down the, uh, the Ford Fusion, in my mind, and I wanted, to wa I wanted to vote for this car as car of the year. So did I. But the issue yeah. that you just raised, Carl, of the recalls. I'm sorry, I think they're on their fourth recall or something like that. I, I, I can't make it car of the year. And I don't think with the, the EcoBoost, it gets the fuel efficiency that the Altima or the Accord get with their CVT transmissions. And so 
uh, I sure wish that that the Ford Fusion could be the car of the year, but it, I don't think it's going to be. That's that's my look at it. It's going to be a very successful car for them. They've got nothing to be ashamed of. Ford's going to do great with that car, but it's super competitive, like you guys say. It's right. so competitive, and some of the other cars on the list were really really hard to not also want to consider. Well, let's get to the other finalists. Even though Carl just talked all about the Honda Accord, Mark, what do you think of the car? There's an awful lot to like about it. I, I think, I mean, it's the, it's the first. Honda, shockingly for a company that made its name as an engine maker, Honda had fallen far behind other automakers in engine technology. And this is the first car that gets them back to a par with everybody else. It's got a very good uh, direct injection four-cylinder engine. It's also got their new continuously variable transmission, which I'm with you, I think it's a terrific execution of, of a CVT. To my mind, and I, I should also say Honda had slipped a little bit with the last Accord and the Civic in general. To, to my mind, this Accord gets them back to where they used to be. It does not raise the bar for the brand. So, I mean, it, it, they, they have halted the decline, but they haven't convinced me that they're doing something to add to it. But it, it, it's a very good car, and the fuel economy is very impressive. That's a very astute observation, what you just said. It, it gets them back in the game, doesn't necessarily move the needle on the brand. The, the one thing that I find curious is uh, they have a blind spot detection video camera that uh, lights up a big screen in the center of the console. So when you put on your turn signal, if you want to move over, if somebody's in your blind spot, you, you can look down and see everything that's there. You can see two lanes over. And it's only for, for the right-hand side. But it's only for the right-hand side. And it only works, goes into operation when you've put the turn signal on. Everybody else in the business is putting sensors for both sides of the car, and it'll warn you if something's there, even if you don't turn on the turn signal. And, and there are little sensors that I find less distracting. They're just a little amber light that lights up here and says, hey, there's somebody over your shoulder, as opposed to a big screen suddenly you know, lighting up, and you've got to look there whether there's anybody there or not. But I gotta say too, anybody I've had in the car with me when I'm doing my test drive, and that thing comes on, they go, "Wow, is that cool?" They love the thing, so it's something that they'd go and tell their friends about, even to say, "Come on, come look at this car. Look at what it does." But what's so attractive to so many people to me is actually a detriment to the car. So I, I just find it curious. Yeah, I agree. I, I did not find it particularly useful. Well, and, and you know, this was kind of like, remember the minivans, it was a big deal when they had one side was a power door, or they had a sliding door on only one, and then I, I could see that as a future, you know, mid-cycle upgrade, where it'll start to show up on the, on the driver's side as well. It's, right now, it's only on the passenger side. So we've, we've gone through the three finalists. Let's get to some of the other cars that didn't quite make the list, the finalist list, but are pretty good cars. Nissan Altima. Carl, what do you say? Yeah, you know, and the Altima is an interesting car because I had that one as well when I was trying to get through these things, making sure I knew how, how each of them lined up. And I drove it, and I was not thrilled with it dynamically. I felt like, you know, it, it, its steering feel is, is actually better than some in this category, but it's not as good as the Fusion or the, uh, the Accord. And suspension-wise, it's a little more body roll and stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this car is dynamically not as exciting as I'd like it to be. And then I went and picked up my two business partners, and they got in the car, and they couldn't stop fawning over the thing because they were in the passenger seat and the back seat looking at the plush material quality and just the overall and room. And a giant back seat. And a giant back seat. And they were in love with the thing. And that's when I realized, you know, this is where, as journalists, we have to be careful because, you know, maybe if we're enthusiasts, we're thinking about the wrong thing that the average buyer thinks about. And so I give full credit to Altima, to Altima and to Nissan for creating a car that I think 
in terms of widespread uh, midsize sedan appeal, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do that. It's going to succeed with a lot of the target buyers who actually buy those kind of cars. Mark, your take on the Altima? I'm a big fan of the Altima, too. I, I, it, I think that it and, and the Malibu are my personal favorites among the four new midsize sedans this year. I gave it points uh, you know, to be one of the finalists. The thing, that it's lots of technology, lots of room, lots of comfort. The one outstanding thing to me is that 38 miles a gallon highway fuel economy with no hybrid, no electronically closing shutters in the grill, no low roll. No resistance. tricks. No yeah. tricks. Every single model that you buy with the 2.5 liter engine is rated at, two point, at, at 38 miles a gallon. Nobody else can match that unless you get into hybrid powertrains and everybody else uses tricks to get their fuel economy special. For me, that's a real achievement for the Altima. I was real disappointed it didn't make the finalist list. I've loved this car all year long since I drove it very early in the year. I think it brings a lot of new technology that you cannot get on any other car, not even any other Nissan, and they're bringing it to a mass market car. And when you combine, you know, the roominess, the use of materials, the fuel efficiency. I, I'm really disappointed it didn't make the list. What's wrong with the jury? Well, I'll, and I'll throw, one, I'll throw one thing out, too, as far as its, its uh, kind of technology execution, which is it's getting great gas mileage, and Nissan's been doing CVTs almost longer than anyone else, so they should be really good at it. And I think they are in terms of building a durable, effective one. But you guys mentioned the, uh, the Accord CVT, and there's a trick that, that Honda did with the Accord, and that is that even though it's a CVT, if you floor it, the engine continues to have some level of revving as the car accelerates, which feels more natural to people who drive a car. And all the Nissans, including the Altima, when you floor it, it still does that, uh, you know, it picks its, 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 prime, it, it picks its most fuel-efficient range, and then it just sits there while the car accelerates, and it doesn't feel particularly... doesn't rewarded. feel natural. No. No, and I think that was, that was, again, dynamically, I drove the car, and I'm like, well, you know, I know CVTs have all these advantages from a functional point of view, but, uh, you know, again, dynamically and the, and the feedback you get, just not real rewarding. And Honda, I give them credit, because I think they might have finally, you know, figured out, okay, this is what you do to make a CVT feel livable. And in, in fact, uh, I talked to the people who developed uh, the new Accord, and they said doing the CVT was harder than doing the whole rest of the car. <laughs> this is their first shot at it. They, they nailed it, as you said, and very interestingly, made in the USA. They're not importing this from Japan. So that's a that's very interesting wrinkle on, on that one as well. Yeah. Uh, let's see, another car that I think, uh, I'm kind of surprised it didn't get on the finalist list, Lincoln MKZ. Mark, what's your take of that car? It's beautiful. It is very distinctively not a Ford, which is what Lincoln needs to be. I have to say the one that I drove, I had it just after I had a very well-equipped Fusion, and the one that I drove, other than a big sunroof, there was no feature that I could not have gotten on the Fusion. So to me, despite the beautiful looks, it felt like a $50,000 Fusion, and that, you know, that was a problem. Hmm. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, I think... When you have a premium brand, you have to have a distinctiveness to it on some level. And you can do a certain amount of stuff with, with body panels and chrome and, and technology, but you're, you're not going to get as far if you don't make it distinctive. And I think one of the reasons Acura's had trouble is because, you know, they've never had that rear drive, with the exception of the NSX, they've never had that rear drive. And I feel the same way. I think that an, the advantage Cadillac and Infiniti and a lot of these other premium brands have is that they have a rear drive premium feel to it. I think if Lincoln is ready, someday hopefully to commit to a rear drive Lincoln badged vehicle that's not a truck by the way uh, not Mark LT or whatever it was yeah. then they'll have something but I, all the beautiful bodywork in the world if you can get all these same options in the same platform in a Ford badge vehicle 
it's just a tough story to sell. Completely agree. Toyota Avalon. A very nice car, not a car that gave me anything to just grab onto and say it's outstanding in this way. It, it is a new high watermark for, in terms of engineering done in America by Toyota, and they checked off all of the boxes. But you know, it, it's a big family sedan, and that's a, a segment where it's really difficult to make much of a statement. And, and you know, I, I'm not sure that they did. Yeah, I like the car a whole lot. I, I really enjoyed it. And to your point. It's the first time Toyota has completely developed a passenger car in the U.S. You know, this wasn't done in Japan or part of it thrown over. They, they designed it in California, engineered it in Michigan, and are building it in Kentucky, you know. And so from that standpoint, I think it's, it's a, a statement by Toyota. But it didn't make the finalist list either. It's got depth to it on every level. You know, it, the steering feel is some of the best I've ever experienced in a Toyota product. And uh, the body design is one of the most interesting ones. You know, I mean, it looks good from a casual glance. And if you dig into it a little bit more, you realize there's a lot going on there in a, in a good way. You know, it's well put together. So there was a lot of passion and spirit put into this car. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a big, big, big sedan couple of other cars that we haven't talked about yet. Actually, it's kind of a dual combination. We've got the Scion FRS and the Subaru BRZ. Essentially the same car, one branded as uh, a Scion, i.e. Toyota, and the other a Subaru. Mark, uh, why didn't this make the finalist list? It, it, it's the first vehicle jointly developed by Toyota and Subaru. It's a little rear-wheel drive sporty coupe. It is great fun to drive, wonderful handling. And the fact that I keep saying it is the reason that it got no points for me. The, the, it, it, the cars, the Scion and the Subaru versions of it, are virtually identical. Even you know, the, the places where the badges go, it's the same size cut out in the body. And that's just it. It's badge engineering taken to an extent that I cannot love the car. I cannot love the two cars, even though if there were only one of them, I might like it a lot. Hmm. Incredibly fun to drive and a good value for the dollar. And a lot of people are calling it uh, the Miata Coupe, you know. But uh, it's really exciting to see a car like that coming out of a manufacturer, even though it's really coming out of two manufacturers and, and it's the same car and, it, and it's kind of a bad engineered job. So it's unfortunate because the car is incredibly fun to drive. Yeah, it's incredibly fun to drive if you're going to the racetrack. I would not want to live with this car day in and day out. It's got a very short wheelbase. As a result, it has a very choppy ride. It drones at highway speeds. Uh, Subaru still doesn't do uh, in-car electronics very well. It's got these inky-dinky little buttons and that are hard that to hit. And that would be one of the things where they'd benefit from a partnership with Toyota, but somehow not. They, they, they didn't in this case. So, yeah, I agree. If I'm going to the track, wow of a car to have. If i got to live with it every day, forget about it. Okay, I'm going to put you guys on the spot right now. Of the three finalists, the Cadillac ATS, the Ford Fusion, and the Honda Accord, what do you think we're going to award as the car of the year? Carl? ATS. Mark? ATS. Okay, I'm with you guys. I think it's the ATS. And we've got a little bit more time left in the show here. Let's go to the truck of the year because we'll do a whole nother auto line this week on the, the truck winner or have done a whole nother one on the truck winner. And the finalists for the truck of the year are the Ford C-Max, the Mazda CX-5, and the Ram 1500 pickup truck. Mark, what? What do you make of, of those three? Who's going to win? I think Ram 1500. They, they put 
V6 engine, eight-speed transmission, automatic stop-start, all of the technologies that every pickup is going to need going forward. This kind of points to the direction for the industry, I think. They're the first ones to do all that. Yes. Carl, what do you think of what it? He said. What yeah. he said. I mean, it's just they've, they've, they've evolved the full-size pickup truck to a new level, and I really feel like the other guys actually kind of have to play a little catch-up now, and, and it's so well done. It's not like they did this, but they had to compromise, and they can't do certain things because of it. It's as capable as any of them, but more refined and more advanced. The thing that blew me away, and I, I don't use that term lightly, blew me away about this truck is how tightly it's built. I mean, the build quality on it is as good as any luxury vehicle. And not a buzz, not a squeak, not a rattle in it. It was, I've never, I don't think, been in a vehicle that's as well screwed together as this pickup truck is. It, it just and absolutely knocked interior, me out. interior and a really effective user interface. You Connect Access is almost as good as Q, I think, in terms of its functions. Yeah. What about the Ford C-Max? I like it an awful lot. I, it was a relatively close call for me. I just thought that the... Showing the way for pickups to go in the future is a more important statement to the industry than doing a great small hybrid. That was the difference for me. For me, too, the, the hybrid never matched up to its uh, fuel economy label. It's rated at 47 miles to the gallon, which is astonishing. I was getting about 37.38. Now, if they had told me you're going to get about 37.38, I would have been thrilled. But I was expecting 47. And a 10-mile-per-gallon gap... That was just too much for me. I couldn't get over that. It's frustrating because the EPA updated standards are supposed to get us the closer to the numbers on the sticker, and for the most part they have for the last several years, but a couple of these hybrids from Ford especially, they seem to be falling short. Well, I would say Toyota and Honda too, yeah. but I think the EPA is going to have to go and revisit its test procedure and add in some sort of adjustments, which, by the way, they've been doing over the last 30-plus years that we've had the CAFE regulations. So it wouldn't be anything new for them to go back in and have to adjust. So, um, And Mazda CX-5, Carl, what do you think? You know, I love the way it drives, and I like the concept behind this kind of holistic fuel efficiency element that, that Mazda's doing. But it was clear to me that, uh, you know, it's the smaller of the, one of the smaller companies out there. They're going up against some big players, and the interior execution just doesn't feel quite as solid as some of the other ones. And also, again, it's kind of like the Accord versus Ultima thing. If, if I'm driving it aggressively, it's the best mini SUV out there. But how many people drive those like that? You know, I think some of the other SUVs actually had a little better ride quality in the overall driving, driving concerns. But if I'm going to a track like with the BRZ or the FRS, the CX-5 is the one I want. Okay, truck of the year will be? Um, the Ram 1500. Yeah, yeah it'll be the Ram. I, I see it that way, too. Let's see if the rest of the jury thinks the same way that we do. But Carl Brower, Mark Phelan, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun talking about the car and the truck of the year. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in as well. And please join us again here next week for AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine This Week is provided by... Let's talk truth. When buying a car, we all want a great deal. Yet it's possible you could pay thousands more for the same car as your neighbor. That's why TrueCar provides upfront pricing information and a network of TrueCar certified dealers that guarantee savings without negotiation. Now, if someone paid too much for their car, well, it won't be you. So when buying a car, get guaranteed savings. Visit TrueCar.com. Why? Because plants need water to grow. Because baseball's played in the summer. Oxygen and hydrogen. Because I forgot to get a receipt. Why? Why not? Why? 
Why don't you go ask your dad? Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai.